Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, or if I've been through the book, 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible where a barren woman asks for a child and God decides to give her two. We're looking at Genesis chapter 25, <laughs> verses 19 to 28, hanging out with Pastor Harold, who is still fresh on that paternity leave, which is actually perfect for today's episode. Oh um, you God. are now in a home where you had one and now have two children. Mm. I'm currently in kind of this interim mm. state where I'm visiting some family in California and under one house there are... Are 12 of us living all in the same area, including wow. my sister and her family, who they just had like within the last couple of weeks, their second baby. And so I think oh. you and I are absolutely the subject matter experts to talk about uh, children and parenting yep. and everything, which is a fun one because that's one of the themes that shows up here. We are seeing in the past episode that uh, Abraham has just passed along, um, you know, and now we're being introduced to the story of Jacob and Esau. Mm. But the way that these two come about, the, the way that these two come on the scene is kind of peculiar. And I have a question based off of what the narrative is showing here. But basically, mm. long story short, the mother is childless, mm -hmm. feels really bad about it right. and decides to ask God and praise for a child. And lo and behold, God answers a prayer. There's yeah. a little bit of the details that are important about it. But long story short, there are two kids who show up, Jacob and Esau. And it got me wondering about the idea of like praying for kids, mm -hmm. because this narrative seems to suggest that this is something that God answers. And I have had several friends in my life over the last couple of years, actually really excitingly, in the last like two months, I've had two friends share mm -hmm. their stories that they've been trying to get pregnant for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, and now God, you know, God has kind of answered their prayer in somewhat of a miraculous way and they're, they're mm -hmm. expecting, and it's a very exciting thing, mm -hmm. but it's got me thinking about the nature of prayer and how does God answer prayers mm -hmm. and like just mm -hmm. the theology of all of it. And mm -hmm. I don't know. Have you thought long about the, the kind of the way that prayer works and how it is a mechanism for God actually doing something that maybe he wasn't planning on doing, or mm -hmm. how do we, how do we make sense of this, this story? They didn't have something. They prayed for it. God gave it to them. Man, that's a 
Wow, that's that's deep. That that's a very <laughs> that I I was not expecting that. I was like, strike. Wait, how did what? <laughs> we can just talk about how cute your kid is if you want. Uh, instead, no, I you know I, here's the deal. So uh, I I think we can relate to that. Um, my wife and I we went through a similar situation. Um, so Abigail was conceived quite quickly. Um, rapidly, we, we just, you know, we, we waited for a long time and then we're like, you know, we're not getting any younger and boom, you know, wow. like, it was, it was very, it, it was efficiently done. And, uh, <laughs> okay. and, uh, so then we figured, okay, well, I guess we'll be as efficient for number two. Mm. No, we were not. Not the case. Huh? Not the case. And we actually, uh, there was a miscarriage there, which was, was it was oh, painful. No. Yeah. And um and we had given up hope. But one of the things that I, I, I would always um that always strikes me is that my firstborn, Abigail, she would pray a lot. Dear Jesus, give you know, mm. help mommy get pregnant, help mommy have another baby. She would always pray randomly, just she would pray. Because we would tell her, if you want a little sister, you gotta pray for it. And she would pray. She would pray, dear and just out of the blue sometimes. We weren't even talking about it, and she would just okay, time to pray, you know, I'm going to go to bed, blah, blah, blah. And she would say, dear Jesus, help mommy have another baby. Dear Jesus, I want to have a little brother. I want to have a little sister. Dear, like, Aww. And lo and behold, when we had given up hope, when we had mm. said we will be a family of three, which will be incredibly efficient in, uh, in the high cost of living Pacific Northwest, <laughs> uh, right when we were about to move from Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, the Lord said, oh, yeah, that plan of sustainability, of economic sustainability that you had, uh, we're going to put a, 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 buy, a hiatus on that one. Because surprise. Right. Um, and it's been that way. So, man, that's a great question. How does God, does you know, how God answers prayers? I, I, I can relate to the story of, of her, which is oddly enough a repetition of, of her mother-in-law, right? Right. Uh, Rebecca uh, and Sarah couldn't have children and i'm sure that sarah prayed i'm sure that sarah got picked on you know because it's always like when are you gonna get when are you gonna get married when are you gonna have kids when are you gonna have the second child you can't have just one when are you gonna have three like it's always somebody's got to be hassling you right um mm -hmm. and it's a it's annoying at a minimum it's annoying when people hassle you about like when you're gonna get married and have kids um so i'm sure that they prayed but the text doesn't tell us that they prayed the text just tells us, well, there was a problem, so maybe that's why they didn't pray. I don't know. But there is this repeated pattern. And uh, spoiler alert, there is going to be a repeated pattern with her uh, with her daughter-in-law, one of the daughters-in-law. Huh. Uh, <laughs> so this this barrenness of this this the Lord asking the Lord for for a child is interesting mm -hmm. that it comes out in the story, and that in this particular case, as you've noted, God says, I'm gonna give you too. Bam. Right. Have you, uh, that was something that Emily and I were kind of like hoping mm. against hope when we found out that we were pregnant. Because in our mind, our perfect family number is is two kids, right. maybe three at the most. But yeah. like we were like, man, how cool would it be? It would be super stressful. But how cool would it be for us just to have twins right at the get-go and mm. then be done and have a boy and a girl and just have that kind of, you know, uh, American dream, the nuclear family ready to go. Mm. Um, 
But Good for our, you. our dream wasn't answered in that way. And it that seems like what we're seeing as some of the themes for, for this passage is yeah. that the kind of the dream of the perfect family isn't mm-hmm. something that is mm. immediately available. In mm. fact, it's almost as not even almost, but it's explicitly saying that there's going to be some tension in this family, that there's going to be some infighting. Uh, yeah. There's going to be some boys will be boys kind of experience mm. going on mm. with Jacob mm-hmm. and Esau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's a... Uh, she like it's interesting that the story says that she was feeling odd, you know, and that she couldn't she consulted from the Lord and, and the Lord says, oh, yeah, well, let me tell you what's going on, girl. Like you got two and they're going to be fighting because these are two nations. And and it's it like this, this, this is sort of a hinge story. This this genealogy is a little hinge mm-hmm. story of how it's going to set everything else up. Right. Because okay. it, it it speaks here of the. Uh, the, the, the last part of the verse where it says the older shall serve the younger, right? Mm-hmm. It's already setting up like what this dynamic is going to be, which oddly enough also points to uh, how the idea of a firstborn in the Old Testament is not necessarily the one who exits the womb first, but is right. actually the one who God designates as a title, you know? So you're going to hmm. see this theme of Jacob being the firstborn, even though he's the one that's like coming out of the womb with that hand stuck on the, can you imagine? I can't imagine the birth, the birth story of this poor woman. Listen, birth. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, listen, birth is not, there's a reason why women give birth and not us. We're pansies. All right. True. Uh, yeah. True. They're not the weaker sex. They are incredibly resilient and strong. We have man cold. Yeah. So I can't mm-hmm. imagine this poor woman exiting one, right? The birth pangs, one coming out, and then immediately, like an, the other, just holding on to the foot of the first, like, oh man, that's got to be painful. So, so yeah, it's, it's already setting it up that there's going to be, Something different. And I love how the story describes the first one was born and he was hairy and red. Because I can relate to that. My Gigi, my second one, Gigi, she was, she's so hairy. (laughs) She's just covered in fuzz. It's adorable. Um, We would not call her Esau. However, we called her Gianna. Um, And then Isaac was not. And then how they grew up in that, they're completely different. Like they're vastly different. And this, this prediction of strife is already going to be set up also in that last passage in that she loves, like daddy loves Esau and mommy loves Jacob. Like, yeah. And that is the part that is like so strange uh, for me to contemplate and to think about. It's like, man, that you actually have a predilection for your kids. Yeah. yeah. Is that Mm. inevitable? Because like, obviously you are drawn to a particular personality and maybe you have one Mm -hmm. child that fits that, Thing that you're right. kind of drawn to right. more naturally right. and and maybe you're not as drawn to the other one or if, if this is not inevitable is this something that we should actively work against like should we be mm-hmm. on the lookout for oh shoot like i'm starting to display some favoritism between one versus the other and i need to mm-hmm. make sure that i'm actively working against that kind of impulse i i think yes <laughs> yes it's inevitable <laughs> and we shouldn't do it yeah, no, I don't know if it's inevitable. I think, I think you have to be aware. I don't know. Like, it, you know, I'm such an expert with a six month old and a six year old, right? Like, I got this. of course, of course, of course. Um, but um, I think that that's one of the questions that, oddly enough, my my six year old has been um, 
kind of asking a little uh, these days is like, hmm. you know, why do you, because it's inevitable a little bit, you know, she's been a little bit of an only child for a while. And all of a sudden, like there's this other human being that we have to like pay attention to a lot more. Um, so she's asked me, a she's not getting as much of a spotlight. Anymore. No, 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 no. And you know, it's baby and it's cute. And all oh, the sounds they make when they cuddle is just so cute. You're sleep deprived, but you look into their face and their eyes and you're like, it's okay. It's just okay. because It's so cute. So, um, that's how I've been taking my paternity leave. As you can see, um, I'm sleep deprived, but it doesn't matter. So my oldest will ask, like I, she will tell me, I feel that you love, that you love Gigi more than me. It's been a couple of times where we've had to have the conversation. And the other day we ended up doing something and she wasn't expecting that. And, and I just showed up and she just looked and started crying. And I said, why am I here? And she said, because you love me. And I'm like, exactly. And I had to explain to her. And I think she's trying to understand this idea that I don't love you less. And I never understood it until Gianna showed up you don't, it's not that, it's not a zero sum game as you have mm. pointed out in many ways. It's not a zero sum game. There, it, it isn't that I have only a limited amount of love as a parent to give that now I have to like divvy it up uh, um, uh, between two of my daughters, right? And and I got to make sure that it's 50-50. No, both of them get a hundred. Like y- your your love as a parent expands, and, and so you don't play this zero sum game. And I, it, it's the beautiful, I never understood it until it happened that I'm like, yeah, no, shoot. Like if Abigail would die, Gianna would not make up for it. If mm. Gianna would die, Abigail would not make up for it. I would always have now for the rest of my life, a hole the size of my Gianna or a, a hole the mm. size of my Abigail. And that's, it's never going to be made up no matter how many kids you have, because you have this one kid that was there. So it's not a zero-sum game. So I, I don't think that it's inevitable. I think that we probably should be cautious to allow our, our affinity, for one, to, to give the unintended message, hopefully unintended message, right. to the other that they're loved less just because, well, you're not into the stuff that I'm into. And maybe as a right. parent, you got to make the effort to be into that. So, and even if you're not into that stuff, like go cheer it and support it. Yeah, I, I hate Disney princesses, but I'll shoot. I'll sit down and can we can we negotiate with Moana? I mean, I, you know, nobody gets married there. Good. Um, and it's got a beautiful gospel theme at the end. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> you, know, you know, something that I really appreciate about the way this story paints the picture of mm-hmm. how children fit into the picture, because, mm. you know, on this kind of Western idea, right, of how children are, it's, I think that my generation and maybe the generation coming after me have kind of bought, bought into the narrative that suggests that children are, are a bit of a challenge, that mm. children are a hindrance, that they stop your ideal lifestyle, right? Like oh, people talk about like not wanting to have kids because of the responsibility yeah. or mm-hmm. because, you know, I want to be able to, to live my life. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to do this. And so Sleep I think in. one of the narratives that a lot of people accept about children is that children are are hindrance to the thing that you want to actually do with your life. Mm. And sometimes that's legitimate. Like Emily and I were just reflecting at the time of this recording, you know, things are happening in Russia and Ukraine that are very still uncertain. And Emily, as this empath of a person, is just feeling the weight 
of hearing stories of mothers and fathers trying to scramble to take care of their kids. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, just just a few hours ago, Emily is saying something to the effect of like, I don't know that I want to have another kid right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I can handle that. And I get that. So mm-hmm. I, I want to mm-hmm. say that there are many legitimate reasons as to why that mm-hmm. maybe this paradigm works. Mm-hmm. But I want to also say that I think that we're accepting this paradigm all too often, and mm-hmm. it seems to fly in the face of the biblical narrative, the way that mm-hmm. the Bible uh, showcases mm-hmm. the blessing that children mm-hmm. are, right? The Bible mm-hmm. talks about how children are a blessing from the mm-hmm. Lord. And mm-hmm. one thing I love about this is that there's a mother here who's pleading and asking for God. That In, in her mind, these kids are not a mistake. They're mm-hmm. not an accident. They're not mm-hmm. inconvenient, even though there's two when she really was maybe only asking for one. Even when her boys are maybe a little bit more challenging than she might have accepted, mm-hmm. she, these are still children that she's mm-hmm. seeking after and asking from God. And, you know, there's this saying that you and I have with a bunch of our friends that, you know, God thought you, you you listener, mm-hmm. you individual, that you were such a great idea mm-hmm. that he thought about you mm-hmm. and boom, here you are. You are not an accident. You're mm-hmm. not, you know, a mistake. Mm-hmm. You're not the result of whatever kind of, you know, storyline that you might have told yourself, but you were crafted from your mother's, before your mother's womb, you're crafted with intentionality from yeah. a God who des- who desired your existence, that he decided to say, you know what, here you are today. Yeah. And he thought that you were such a good idea that not only he created you, but when he saw us lost, he plunged headfirst into hell just so that we would not be lost. Like, hmm. that's the intentionality of it. And I, I love I love what you said because it's true. I resonate with that. Because we we waited 10 years to have kids. And mm. I will say that a lot of it was uh, for us. And I'm not saying that those are not legitimate reasons. So so hear me out, listener. I'm, I'm not just my intent. The intent of, of my words is not to impact somebody as judgmental for you deciding to not have kids for very legitimate reasons. For us, for me, it was more of an excuse because mm. I wasn't going to be able to sleep in because I wasn't going to be able to do things. And you know what? Uh, baloney. Like you, <laughs> True. Can still, you, can, you can do stuff. Uh, yeah, but it's it's trade-offs. It's the same thing that happens like, well, I don't want to get married because I'm going to lose my independence. Yeah, but you gain so much more. Or you gain yeah. something. Like you trade and you gain. So when, when you have kids, like, yeah, sure, you're not going to be able to like, you know, uh, just go out for a movie. You have to plan a little more. Sure. Mm-hmm. But the the trade off is wonderful. There are, there are there are things that just come with having kids that 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 are just beautiful, and and you can understand it. And you, like the life that you and Emily had, uh, yeah, it has been vastly different now with 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 your little one. And um, but you wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't trade the life of my girl with my girls. I wouldn't trade it for the world. You, I would not want to go back to as convenient and carefree as. Harold and Rosie pre-Abigail were, I would, no, I would not trade it for the world. Um, Yeah. I I think this is probably what being on the other side of most leaps of faith is like, Mm. right? Like in order Mm -hmm. to take any kind of significant step of faith, it requires a level of sacrifice and it requires a level of trust, right? For for us, it was the same thing. You know, our life situation isn't uh, we we have some things that are still left left to be desired, kind of on like a, a surface yeah. reading on life. I want to say yeah. that we believe what Scripture t- speaks over us that we are lacking nothing, that we've received mm-hmm. every blessing. But mm-hmm. when you look mm-hmm. at the details of our life on paper, I guess I should say there are some mm-hmm. things that people would say, "Huh, 
these are the kinds of things that I want to have in order before I do fill in the blank uh, before us yeah. having children. Absolutely. And yet w- what you're saying is, is so true in our life too, is that once we've taken that step of faith, mm-hmm. that it's the kind of thing that I have never regretted. And that's mm-hmm. true of having a kid. That's true of other leaps of faith that I've taken mm-hmm. when it's come to uh, accepting calls from God and other things. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been teasing this in some of the episodes moving up to this point, but you know in the background, I'm I'm in the middle of one of those steps of faith right now. And there's a lot of question marks, a lot of things that are unsolved, but I want to believe and I want to move forward yeah. in faith knowing that this is where God's calling me. Mm-hmm. And I, I mm-hmm. trust that once we're there and once we're on the other side of it, it will also be one of these things where, you know what? Maybe it's tough. Maybe it's more challenging. Maybe yeah. it's not exactly what I thought yeah. it would be. But I'm glad that I've done it, and I and I can see God moving in that way. That's beautiful. And I don't know. Maybe maybe someone listening today is yeah. feels like they're they're maybe not. Maybe it's having kids. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something different. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's you know going to school. Maybe it's you know quitting their job for the next thing. But mm-hmm. you know you feel like mm-hmm. you're in this stage where you're, you're asking and you're pleading, and you feel like maybe there's no answers. Like the kid, the woman who's been barren for so long. Yeah. But. The good news is that God does hear. God does yeah. answer. And maybe this is the time for, for a little bit of faith to take that step out and, and trust that God is, God is going to provide. I would say I 100% agree with you. And I, I, I read somewhere the other day that even God's, even God's no is still an answer. And sometimes mm, that yeah. the heartbreak that comes from a no is the necessary ground that needs to happen for you to grow into something else. I think that there, there, there are some things that, that the text also, like in the context of where we are, the social context, we can't forget that having children was like a nest, like you needed to have kids. You know, right. it was it was the symbol. We've we've transitioned a little bit from that in our 21st century American society, in which you know the double income, no kids status is, ooh, you know, that's that's what you want to live. Right. Which I can right. see the appeal of it. Um, mm-hmm. And or other people say, well, there's so many children out there that you should adopt. You know, there's so many children that also that, true. Also true. Um, so I think that we can't miss that there is a context in which having children was supremely important for for the family, especially for the wife, because it was considered that the wife was always guilty for not having kids, which is, a, you know, that's Bizarre. totally wrong, totally wrong. Right. But yeah. that's that's yeah. the world they were in. And and forgot to answer again. Once again, it's God's faithfulness because, it, as as we've already hinted in previous episodes, it's not necessarily about the conduct and the behavior of the people. It's about the faithfulness of God working through this family with all their foibles, and with all their mess ups, and with all their stumbles. God is still working because He is He is creating and working redemption through the promise of progeny. So, so that's, and, and you're, you're seeing it here already set up, up, there's yeah. already a setup in that last verse. You're like, oh, there's, some, yeah, it's going to happen. You're going to see it unfold, yeah. but it, it yep. God yep. is still going to be faithful. Yep.